There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close... You can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls. I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give them the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like them. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today. The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Onyx Hunt. Bringing you the best GPS mapping software directly to your smartphone or desktop, Onyx offers you the ability to see property boundaries, mark waypoints, track your location, and so much more. Visit onyxmaps.com or you can download it directly from your app store today. Save 20% off of your purchase by using the code NATION20 at checkout. That's capital N NATION followed by the number 20. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bear. I hope everybody is navigating through the COVID-19 coronavirus stuff that's going on all across the world. Pretty interesting times we live in. The bad news for bear hunters is that the Ozark Black Bear Bonanza has been canceled. We said that on the last, the last podcast, but I wanted to say it again, but we're going to, we're, we're postponing it and it's going to happen sometime, hopefully later this spring. Yeah. So we're going to do that again, sponsored by the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. We're going to be doing the Ozark Black Bear Bonanza sometime later this spring. Hey, this this is a great time to check out bear-hunting.com, bear-hunting.com. We've got right now we've got our bear hunter retro hats on sale. Yeah. So this is like uh, one of our most popular styles of hats. It just says bear hunter. Yeah. It's retro because I, I we got the image from like an old patch I saw in a picture yeah. that some old dude had on a hat in some old picture, and it was this bear like growling said bear hunter. Yeah. And so we made a cool hat called Tru- trucker style. Trucker style. Yeah, and so people can go to our website, look up Retro Bear Hunter Hat, get, I think, uh, how much off? I think it's eighteen ninety nine now. Yeah, so it's yeah. a couple bucks off, so yeah. check that out. And, hey, check out Bear Hunting Magazine. I mean, that is that is the primary thing that we do. A lot of people know us from YouTube. A lot of people know us from the podcast. But we produce a 
72 page full color six times a year magazine full of great stuff full of a lot more stuff than we can even talk about on the podcast yeah recipes columns bear hound stuff spot and stock stuff bear bait stuff tactics gear adventure stories bear outfitters my goodness brothers if you ever need yeah. a bear outfitter we got them we got them we know these people call the office tell us where you want to go tell us what your price range is yep. we our bear outfitters are the best in the world and we know a lot of them and we that's that's what we do yeah so check out bear hunting magazine hey if you want a five dollars office we're gonna go ahead and tell them colby let's uh, just tell them okay, okay. use bhm 20 okay and get five dollars off a new subscription yeah. so that's for a new subscription it's not for renewals five dollars off for a new subscription just yep. enter the code bhm 20 at checkout hey this is a fun podcast about how to make bear oil bear grease bear lard bear tallow we go through all the <laughs> yeah everything about about bear grease yep yep it's a good one We are at the Bear Hunting Magazine Global Headquarters on quarantine. Mm-hmm. Social distancing is happening here. Colby's sitting totally yeah. across the room from me. We're legitimately a spear link away. Spear length, yeah. About yeah. a spear length. There's a spear up on the wall. We're yeah. about that far away. Yeah. Hey, so I've got I've got Colby the Bear Tech Moorhead with me. Yeah. The global bear tech. Global bear tech. Hey, we're gonna do something different than we usually do. You know, there's a lot of different kinds of podcasts, Colby. There's mm-hmm. like short podcasts that like have a pres- prescribed time. They're like 20 minutes long yeah. and they're just like pounding out information and asking questions. That would be like, you know, like information based podcast. Yeah. And then there's like a long form conversational type podcast, which is typically what we would have. Yeah. It would have no end time, you know, might go two hours, might go an hour and a half yeah. rabbit trails. It's conversational, long yeah. form stuff. Yeah. That's my natural tendency inside of communication. So that's usually what we do. Yeah. And and I think when you communicate like that, you mine out a lot of nuggets of information and and stuff about the person and stories that are cool. Yeah. Okay. There's a third kind of podcast that this one is going to be. Oh. Topic-based. Topic-based yeah. podcast yeah. where we pick out a topic and we... We're going to take our time, but we're going to mine into the facts, the figures, the everything there has to do with this certain topic. Yeah. And we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. And that topic today is bear grease. Oh, nice. Bear grease. Yeah. Chewing the fat. Chewing the fat. I like it. Rendering the fat. Rendering the fat. So so we're going to just jump right in to talking about kind of a systematic way. First of all, we're going to talk about how to harvest the bear fat off of a bear, like yeah. where you're going to find it, what to do, proper handling, and yeah. freeze it, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Then we're going to talk about best practices of rendering it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about how to render the fat. Yeah. Then we're going to talk about uses. So once you have this, what do you do with it? Yeah. And then we're going to end the podcast with talking about some um, historical significance mm-hmm. and some kind of fun facts about bear grease. So I like that's it. what we're going to do. I like it. Okay. First of all, let's talk about terminology. Okay. There's a lot of different terminology with this. Yeah. We're we're going with bear grease. Okay. Um, but it could also be called bear oil. Yes. Like if you were doing an internet search, you might find this topic under bear oil. Yeah. Bear grease mm-hmm. or bear lard. Yep. Or rendered bear fat. I heard them all. A lot of different possibilities. Bear grease is kind of like the historical kind of old version of of the way to say it. In uh, Gerstocker's book written in 1837 about his travels and hunting in, in the Ozarks, which we're going to do a podcast yeah. at some point about, uh, specifically about that book. Wild Sport, right? Wild Sports, yep, yeah, by Frederick Gerstocker. Mm-hmm. His dog was named Bear Grease. Pretty cool. Okay. And so... Um, but if you were being more technical, you'd probably call it bear lard or bear oil. Okay. And so that's what that's so for our purposes, bear grease. So first topic at hand is 
where do you get bear fat? I think step one, locate a bear. <laughs> Go back to all the other podcasts yeah. to learn how to kill a bear. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, you Deep know. knowledge while you're quarantined, you can learn how to pursue a bear. Pursue and overtake and kill a bear. In multiple different settings and locations. Yeah. Whatever, however you do it. Yeah. Kill a bear. Okay. Yep. Um, so, you have to find a dead bear. So, it means the success has already been achieved. Success has been achieved. We've covered that in another podcast. You're feeling good about yourself. Now, it's time to get, right. get gritty. Right. Um, some people may have never skinned a bear. And, yeah. and, and so, when you think of like lots of fat, like you wouldn't find this kind of fat like on a deer right. or on an elk. So and sometimes you'll find uh, elk or deer that would have you know, quite a bit of fat, like on the run, but th this is way different. Yeah. Um, basically, different. basically when you skin a bear, he is going to, depending upon what time of year it is, if it's the spring, he's going to have less fat. If it's the fall, he could potentially have a lot of fat. Yeah. You could also kill a bear in the fall that didn't have much fat at all. So it's not guaranteed that you're going to have a lot of fat. Um, if you killed a bear in mid September, you're going to have less fat than if you killed that bear on November 30th. Say, like the Arkansas bear season lasts till November 30th. Yeah. I killed a bear one time on November the 30th, yep. and he was an absolute butterball yeah. of fat. Yeah. Uh, bears typically store their fat on their rump. Like the yeah. biggest the biggest collection of fat is going to be on the bear's rump, but it could be all over his body. Yeah. Um, it going all the way down the top of the back where you'll typically find it is from the shoulder blades all the way back down the body about halfway down the rib cage to the rump but that's really where they store this like the big chunks of fat and so you're you're gonna skin this bear just like you would a white-tailed deer essentially yeah um i mean you're gonna you're gonna make cuts from the from the ankles down the inside of the leg to the center of the chest uh on both sides, you're going to make a split down the belly, and essentially you're going to quarter this animal. Yeah. But you're going to want to harvest some fillets of fat mm -hmm. off of this bear, which by fillets would mean don't tr do your best to not get any little chunks of meat inside the fat. Yeah. And this fat is going to be it could it could differ in color, but typically it's like a pearly white. I mean, even like bright white kind of granular looking fat like uh pig fat is kind of uh has a real tight texture mm -hmm. bear fat is a has a little bit bigger grain to it almost if i could describe it that way yeah uh it's it's uh and, and so you're just gonna take off like usable chunks of fat like um th well this bear that i killed on november 30th we were literally cutting off four inch thick probably 12 inch long slabs, eight inches wide that weighed 20 pounds. I went home Quite and a weighed bit. a piece of fat that I brought home and weighed 20 pounds. Quite a bit. Yeah. Usually it's going to be smaller pieces. You're going to be chunking off little pieces. And I would say that you need about, uh, you need about probably, you know, taking home like five pounds of fat would probably get you started. A couple um, jars. Yeah. A couple jars. And, uh, from the from the collection that I've done, one pound. Of, I'm looking on my notes here. Uh, we did an article in Barony Magazine uh, in the September October issue. Basically, um, July August. Let's see. Let's see. I'm looking for my one pound of fat. Basically, will get you about a pint of liquid oil. Yeah, I'm I'm looking for that here. Depending on how well it renders. Yeah. Um, so one, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good equation is that one pound of fat is going to render about a pint of oil. Yeah. Okay. But there's different methods for rendering it and some of them are going to be more efficient than others, but you've got this bear fat. You're going to treat it just like a piece of meat. Yeah. Like if you're, if you have, um, if you have game bags and you're hauling, a bear out of the back country, you're just going to pitch them in there. Yeah. You're just going to pitch them in there. Yep. Uh, if you're, if you're able to get the bear, you know, in the back of a truck and you're taking it back to your house to process it. I, I mean, sit down. yeah, you, you're going to want to keep it cool just like mm -hmm. anything else. Yep. Um, you're going to want to freeze it quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, I've actually never, I don't think I've ever rendered fresh lard 
like taking it straight from the animal. Yeah. Aside from just cooking with it, maybe there. Yeah. Afterwards but, I mean, pan. like I've never like taken unfrozen lard and and rendered it into oil that I was going to keep for a long time. Yeah. So it freezes just fine. Yeah. So you just you just freeze it. It actually helps to freeze it, and you'll see later when we talk about the methodology for rendering fat. Mm-hmm. Um. But so you're going to want to freeze it. I have heard somebody say that bare fat can spoil in a freezer frozen. Yeah. I've, I've not that. experienced that. Yeah. And I've kept fat frozen for at least six months before and never had any problem with it freezing or, or, or spoiling yeah. while it's frozen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's not been an issue. Um. In the spring and fall, you're going to find different amounts of fat. Last year, you were with me in Montana when we yeah. killed a bear early. I mean, this yeah. bear hadn't been out of the den long. Killed on May the 5th. Sharp claws. Sharp claws, long guard hairs, beautiful yep. critter. He had a fair bit of fat on him. I, I mean, enough fat that if I had gone to Montana for the sole purpose of bringing home some some uh, bear fat to render couple of pints i could have done it yeah uh now i was i was trim i was having to be more particular i was mm-hmm. trimming off you know like these little fillets and they would be these thin like half inch wide fillets that i was primarily getting off the rump okay yeah so and i was able to take home probably three four five pounds of fat mm-hmm. okay you kill a bear in the fall you probably could a big bear in the fall, like some of these that we're killing around here, there would be so much fat, you'd have a hard time Taking rendering it, it all. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. If we're just being honest about it. I yeah. mean, you, you, it's a lot. you, you could probably, I mean, like that bear right there that I killed on November 30th, you probably could have taken a hundred pounds of fat off of that bear. More than you'd want to haul. Yeah. Well, it's not even about hauling. It's just storing it more than you'd want to render. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of bear grease goes a long way. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to go and empty Walmart shelves of jars. Yeah, <laughs> and more power to you though uh, to to utilize as much of the animal as possible. And I think that's what's that's a cool part of this idea of utilization of bear grease because Colby people in 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 the United States in these United States upwards of eighty percent high seventies. Of a percentage of people approve of modern hunting if they believe that the person is using the animal for food. Yeah. So, like, let's just say 70 plus percent of people are okay with hunting if they believe it's done for food. The disconnect that we have with bear hunters and the general populace is that people don't immediately assume that we're eating or utilizing bears for food. True. So, there's that disconnect that we have to that we have to span is that, Hey, yeah, we're using bear for food. And here's what I say is that you actually, we actually as bear hunters utilize more of that animal than any other kind of big animal that we hunt. True. Because how many deer that people kill, did they tan their hides? Not many. Very few. Yeah. Some, but percentage wise, I mean, probably like, 1% one percent mm-hmm. of white-tailed deer in this country that are harvested are their hides tanned. Well, bear, I would say upwards of eighty-five to ninety percent of bears that are harvested, their hides are tanned. Yeah. And obviously that's not for food, that's mm-hmm. for ornamental purposes. These hides are being kept and hung in houses and and you know, used as just memory activators, trophies, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. Yeah. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two. The meat. We, yeah. we, this podcast isn't about bear meat, but man, bear meat is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to refute that if you've given it much of a try. True. In more than one place. Yeah. Everybody's got some story about when they had bad bear meat. Well, I've got a thousand stories of when we've had good bear meat and mm-hmm. people that want to like it, like it. Okay. Yeah. Number three, bear fat. And that brings us right back to here. Mm-hmm. There's no other animal. I mean, people aren't rendering down the elk fat for utilization throughout the year for all yep. these different purposes. So that narrative about um, utilization of animals for, uh, for, for commodities equating to approval from non-hunters, really our place is pretty strong right yeah. there, you know. Yeah. 
Um, and so bear fat. Um, so spring and fall, uh, you can get it in the spring, but there's more in the fall. Can you think of any other aspect of getting the bear fat that somebody might have? You can freeze it, cutting it off the rump. Um, there's really not much to it other than that. I mean, it takes longer to freeze than than meat, doesn't it? I I don't know. <clears throat> I Why would, would you think that? Just because it's more of an insulator. Like I would think that it would take longer to freeze solid than like regular meat, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't think of anything. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it's just treated well, like the let's, meat. Let's talk about how to how to render bear fat. Yeah. Okay. So, I prefer to... So, rendering just means that you're heating, you're heating it until it turns into a liquid. Yeah. Rendering has the idea that something starts out as a solid mm-hmm. and then turns into a liquid. Yep. Change of state. Yeah. And so, when we... The, the there's just like in most scenarios there is, there are ways to do something that are fine mm-hmm. but there are also ways to do that same thing that are way better and yep. we would call that best practice yep so i'm going to tell you what's best practice for rendering bare fat mm-hmm. but it's quite a bit harder yeah not that harder much harder but quite a bit harder yeah but the other way is just fine, air quotes. Yeah. I think I think one thing about the difference between fat and, and like taking the muscle off or the meat is you don't have to worry about like getting it in, in big chunks or like keeping like a some group together. You can just like I'll cut see. off, you know, however you can get it off. You yeah. Know? So there's not like any right or wrong way to, to take it off yeah. the bear. That's right. Yeah. You could have small pieces. You could yeah. have big pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so let's start with um, let's start with best practice. To me, best practice would be to take a semi-frozen slab of bear fat mm-hmm. that would be unfrozen enough that you could that you could cut it into small, like one to one and a half inch cubes. Yeah, the meat would be cool, mm-hmm. and you would grind that meat. Or not meat. You would grind the fat, run the fat through a grinder. grinder. Yeah, and so just like a meat grinder, and basically it, you know, it it grinds up this to where the surface area of that lard fat is way more than if you cube it up. Yeah, and then you you heat that down, and the render is very efficient. And I, I guess I've got to tell the story of the other way to do it. The way I first started doing it was just cubing it up into those mm-hmm. one to one and a half inch squares, basically. Yeah. When, and it's easiest to cut when it's about half frozen. Mm-hmm. If it's totally thawed out room temperature, it's much harder to cut. Yeah. But if it's about, if it's about half froze, man, you can, ju- you can cube it up just like you're cutting fudge or something. Yeah. You know, it's, it's fairly solid, but you can still get a knife into it. Yeah. Typically, what I first started doing was just putting those one-inch cubes down into uh, a heat source, and we'll talk about different heat sources you can use. And um, you could, I would pour a little bit of water in there, just a little bit, not much, just to keep it from that fat from sticking to, to the, the heat, sticking to the pan. Yeah. And then you would stir these chunks, and basically those chunks would just begin to melt down. I mean, almost like butter. Yeah. And you would begin to see liquid form, and you know after. Uh, four or five minutes, you look down and half of those cubes would be gone and there would be this amber colored boiling liquid coming mm-hmm. up around this fat. Yeah. And what happens is you eventually get to the point where all the fat that's going to render is going to render and you still have some of the fat left and little chunks yeah. down in this oil. Mm-hmm. And uh, we call those the cracklings. Yeah. And what you would do then is you would strain out using uh, any kind of multiple types of strainers, but we like to use a was it cheesecloth or cheesecloth yeah. over a metal funnel, yeah, a metal strainer mm-hmm. funnel type apparatus. But that cheesecloth for sure gets all the really fine particles because there will be there'll be a little particulate matter in there, mm-hmm. um, just from whatever, and you. You strain that out into, uh, we like to use mason jars, metal lid mason jars, 
pint jars down to what are those right there? This is like the little like three or four like quarter. I think you what got quart and pint and. What did I say? Did I say one pound does a pint? Shucks. One pound does a one pound of bear fat will make a quart. Quart. Okay. One one pound will make a quart. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you you run through cheesecloth and you put it in these mason jars and then you just immediately seal it up while it's hot. Yeah. But then you have this leftover um, you have these leftover cracklings that can be you can you can salt them and eat them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've used them as dog treats before. Just put them in a Ziploc bag and just kept them. Use them as dog treats. I've um, I've used them as snacks later, but therein lies the inefficiency because however much fat was in that little crackling, you didn't get is liquid oil. Yeah. When you when you grind the meat, you get almost a one hundred percent efficiency. All of that bare fat turns into oil. So therein lies best practice: mm-hmm. turning bare fat into grease is if you grind it first. Yeah, we didn't have much in the last one that we did out here. Much what? Much anything left, like most of it cooked down. Yeah, yeah. You'll strain it through that cheesecloth, and you'll just see small, a few small little little chunks of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and I guess it's just like burnt bits of fat that, that kind of solidified rather than turned into oil. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what kind of heating apparatus. You could do this on a stove in a metal pot. Mm-hmm. just like you cook with at home, put it on low heat and stir it and just let it gradually melt down. Uh, we've done it in jet boils. Um, last year we did it in a jet boil and I think we rendered down probably a pint or two in like eight or nine minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, we also used a turkey cooker, mm-hmm. which would be a kind of a one of these outdoor propane, you know, hooks into a large propane tank yeah. and used a big aluminum um, pot, big aluminum pot yeah. or stainless steel yeah. pot, whatever. We call them fish fryers growing up. Yeah. 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 Like a fish fryer. Exactly. And we found that the hotter you cook it, the darker the oil will be. Yeah. If you cook it slow and low, the the oil is lighter. Uh, I want to say that we were just cooking it up to about 225 degrees in the in the, the low portion, um, and it was getting up to it was getting up quite a bit hotter than that with the jet boil. I think it was right around 300 degrees yeah. in the jet boil. Did we try a fry daddy too or something like yeah, that? Yeah, we did a fry yeah. daddy. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm going to do, Colby? I'm going to pull up our YouTube video. So we we did a YouTube video called Experimenting with Bear Fat. And I'm going to pull up a a few of the uh, the stats from that video just as we're as we're talking about it because it was uh, – I probably should have reviewed this before we uh, before we started, but okay. Here we go. Grinding. Okay, yeah, the we 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 did the cook, turkey cooker up to 225 degrees. The Fry Daddy cooked at 300 degrees. Mm-hmm. And so the Fry Daddy oil was a little bit darker yeah, than, the, sure. than the other oil. The Jet Boil got up to 315 degrees. Yeah, We we couldn't really regulate the temperature that much with that. But the, the turkey cooker, we were able to slow it down to about 225. Yeah. Um, so the Jet Boil and the Fry Daddy, we cooked about eight to nine minutes. So this doesn't have to take all day. You know, when I first started doing this, I had this idea that it, like took hours to like render fat. Now yeah. it melts down quick. Yeah. Eight to nine minutes at that those temperatures. Uh, eight minutes in the Fry Daddy. I mean, to- the oil was totally rendered, and it doesn't do you any good to keep cooking it after it's done. Now, when we did it at two hundred twenty-five degrees, we had to cook it about thirty. To 35 minutes yeah. to get it down into oil and one pint per pound of fat okay one pint pint per pound of fat yeah so we were right not yeah. a quart yeah. one pint per pound of fat 
Um, so what you're going to have once you, so it's going to be this amber colored liquid. It's going to be super hot and dangerous. Hey, rabbit trail alert. <laughs> you see my hand right there. Do you know what happened to my hand? No. Do you not? No, you never told me. Oh, I'll be darned. Have you ever noticed my hand? <laughs> tell me the truth. Not that I've paid attention. Okay. It used to be way more noticeable, but do you see that scar going across my knuckles I see all the way now. down to my yeah. fingernails? Yeah. Um, it used to be really noticeable. My hand was almost white. It's yeah. because I was burned by bacon grease really? when I was uh, about 22 years old. Yeah. Yeah. We were camping on the Buffalo River and we were cooking bacon grease over a fire. Yeah. And I went to dump the pan, dump the oil out of a cast iron skillet. Yeah. And uh, I used, it was kind of using a makeshift pot holder. It was a, it was a hat. It was like a straw hat. Gotcha. And I took it over just outside of our camp, and the 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 hat started smoking. Oh man! Like the straw hat. Yeah. It was like a it was like a like a real floppy like women's straw hat. Why I was using that, I don't know. I was twenty two <laughs> years old. Yeah. And it kind of freaked me out that it was smoking. Yeah. And I tilted that back. Tilted it back, and that just sizzling bacon grease oh, man. went all over the top of my hand. Yeah. And uh and it sent me to the hospital, sent me out of work for two weeks. Yeah. And uh had a mat uh, a I think it was a second degree, wasn't quite third degree, but all yeah. the all the skin burned off my hand. Oh wow. It was miserable. Yeah. And I say all that to say this stuff is super dangerous. Yeah. It really is. I, I have deep respect for hot yeah. oil. Holds the holds the heat. Yeah, oh man, you get it on your skin, you're in big trouble. So it's mm-hmm. be careful with it. Yeah. Um the uh so when you first pour it into a jar, it's it looks almost like honey. It's like liquid, this beautiful amber colored stuff. Yeah. As it cools, it will solidify. Yeah. And uh, it'll it'll turn into almost like a semi-solid slushy type material, but the solids and the oil like the pure oil will begin to separate. And I've seen different batches of oil separate in different quantities. Like I've seen some oil, Colby, that was like 25% solid and mm-hmm. 75% this beautiful amber-colored liquid. Yeah. And that's what me and you were actually trying to discover last year when we cooked it at different temperatures. Yeah. I thought it was a temperature variable because you'll get some bare oil that you do the same thing and it's almost 100% solid. Yeah. It's this white, creamy fat. Yeah. And so I was like, well, how do you make sure that you get this beautiful oil versus this creamy white stuff? And somebody told me that it has to do with what the bear has been eating. Like, I haven't gone into the science of it, but essentially like the cholesterol level of the animal. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. Uh, but we couldn't find a way when rendering it that it made a difference. It's kind of like it just does it on its own. Yeah. Like how much solid and how much liquid. But it color doesn't. Color-wise, though. Color had to do with temperature. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. That That's the thing, like, with if you're just if you're just trying to have oil just to use for cooking, for all the things we're about to talk about, like, what do you do with this stuff? Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's. You you use the creamy white stuff. It's not like you have to strain out just to get the 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 amber colored liquid oil and not use the solid stuff because it's not really solid. You put it in the pan, a hot pan, and it immediately turns into liquid. Yeah, Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. It uh, changes changes its solid. Would solidity be a word? Good enough for I me. I don't know. Yeah, it would change from more of like a solid looking to just a clear oil. So at room temperature. That's what it looks like. If you were to take that, we're looking at a bare oil in our eastern window here at the global headquarters, and it's got probably, uh, I would say, 10% this amber-colored liquid that you can see through, mm-hmm. and then 90% this white. And if you took a spoonful of that and put it in a frying pan, it would immediately turn to just liquid and fry, just like olive oil. Yeah, and it's even loose like whenever with that one whenever you move it around like the what looks more solid. Moves around too, yeah. yeah. So that is uh, that's how you make it uh, when you when you pour it into these jars after it's been sieved through cheesecloth. You you seal it up. 
let it cool down before you touch it, mess with it. And then you just store it. You don't even have to refrigerate it. Yeah. It, it will store. I have used barrel oil that set on a windowsill for a year and a half inside of, uh, and it can cooked with it. Yeah. And it was fine. Yeah. Uh, it, it, if I'm being honest, it had a, a slight taste to it that the fresher stuff didn't have. Yeah. That was a year and a half later, which I would say that's pretty extreme. Yeah. So this stuff easily has a shelf life of a year. Mm-hmm. That's that's really this stuff is hey you know what this we did this almost a year ago this oil that yeah. we're using now was, was from, from last May yeah Montana bear yeah and uh, I fried crappie in it uh, ten days ago yeah perfect yeah no I mean just beautiful great frying oil we did a good job we did a good job <laughs> Colby yeah um so I'm gonna say that a year without refrigeration in a glass jar barrel oil. Perfect. Bear hunting magazine approved. Yeah. I mean, that's what we found. Um, Okay. Let's talk about uses. What do you do? What What do you do do with bear oil? Uh, A lot of things. There's a lot of things. So bear oil can, here's the simple rundown. Here's the sound bite rundown. And this isn't like a list that's completed. This is a list that's always added to right yeah i think there's there's always ways but but you can take this list and understand in general practice what this kind of stuff is used for first of all back in the day they used animal lards for different stuff than we do today yeah now we have some other types of oils that we use um but in general you can use bear oil as a baking substitute for shortening yep okay so and, and bear oil is renowned for pastries. A lot of people know that. That's pretty common. I think 10 years ago, that wasn't that common in outdoor space. Like yeah. people, I'm not saying people didn't know it, but it's just like anymore. You're just like, what's bear oil good for? And people are like, pastries. Yeah. So, and that's cool. That's good that people know that. We posted in um, March, April issue of Magazine a recipe about how to make bear claw danishes using yeah. bear oil. Yeah. Uh, that was a good one. Yeah. Wild Feast. The Wild Feast. What's our buddy's name? I think that. Michael. I, I think From that the Wild Feast. Yeah, Wild yeah. Feast. Um, so, th- th- number one, you can use it as a substitute for anything that calls for shortening or margarine. Yeah. N- not margarine, shortening. Um, number two, and this is my favorite way to use it and, and the way that I like to use it, is pan frying stuff. Yeah. We do a lot in the fall, a lot of times with deer meat. You know, it just seems like when the fall comes, I have this inclination to want to pan fry, whether it be deer meat, whether it be bear meat, whether it be fried potatoes, yeah, uh, fried potatoes and onions. Mm-hmm. And man, that lard is so good for pan frying stuff. Yeah. Way better. You know, you think people use vegetable oil or, or whatever. The healthier choice would be olive oil. Olive yeah. oil is like, really way better for you than canola or vegetable oil. A lot of people know that. Yeah. But historically, if you're pan frying like backstraps, venison backstraps, yeah. you'd use vegetable or canola oil. Mm-hmm. Man, use bear fat. We cook catfish in it too. Yeah. In in what? In barrel. Yeah. That's right that when we finished. Yeah. Yeah. So pan frying anything. Yeah. I like, I love pan frying fish, mm-hmm. pan frying anything. Yeah, squirrels. Vegetables, squirrels, yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. So if you don't use it for anything other than that, like maybe you don't bake a lot, man, take the lard off a bear that you kill this year, pan fry with it. M- m- great thing. Okay. Well, what was it that that thing that the guy did with, uh, was it with gumbo or something? Like he did like a... Yeah, a, a, a roux for gumbo. So last year I had a guy, I, I, I have to tell you his name he wrote a really great book about uh he's a chef down in louisiana a world-renowned gumbo chef uh can't recall his name he sent me his book and and he wanted to do a historically accurate roux for gumbo which called for bear fat because all the bear fat from this part of the country in the ozarks would be shipped down the white river to the mississippi river and down to louisiana and for making this roux, which is basically the first step in making gumbo, you needed some type of lard. Yeah. And so these guys had, in the old cookbooks, it said to use bear lard yeah. to make the roux. Well, he didn't know where to find bear lard. He contacted us, and I sent him a pint, and he made his roux for his gumbo. Yeah. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I've read in the historical literature where people ate bear grease like butter. Okay. Like they would have a jar like that and 
put it on bread. And again, you got to remember back in those times, these were people that were just looking for ways to intake calories. Calories, Yeah. You know, I mean, these people were surviving. Yeah. And so they'd, you know, salt some bear grease and and spread it on a piece of toast. I have it. They would use it like molasses, like plop it on the plate right beside them. People from the South may not eat molasses, but, you know, the way we would eat molasses is just take a big spoonful of molasses and put it on a put it on your plate and with your biscuits and usually in breakfast is when you'd eat it. You'd just take a little nip of molasses with it. Yeah. Well, that's the way they would eat bear grease, eat it like butter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, those, those are most of the cooking type things that I'm going to talk about. That, That covers a fairly wide span there. Yeah. But, uh, it can also be used for softening and waterproofing leather. Yep. So it's in oil. Um, I've used it on my boots in times past and it does a good job of waterproofing. I'm not going to say that it's not as good as some of the more modern waterproofing technologies. Yeah. I just don't think it is. Yeah. Um, it, at least not in its raw state, mm-hmm. like minks foot oil and stuff. Some of that stuff is top notch still today. And I'm not sure how that's processed. Minks foot oil. Yeah. I'm not sure how that's processed to turn it into that kind of creamy, almost like lotion-y type white stuff that you put on your boots. Yeah. I put barrel on boots. It does repel water, but I just don't think it's quite as good. So I think they used to use it for that. I've also heard complaints that um, if you barrel oil your boots and you like leave them in a dark closet for six months without wearing them, they can come out and you can have a little bit of mold on your boot. Okay. But if you regularly apply it, yeah. And you're, it's a pair of boots that you're using. I, I don't think you have any problem with it. But remember, back in the day, it was the best they had. Yeah. So they were, it would have been great, you know, way better than nothing. So more ex- exploration going on there. Okay. Oiling metals, yep. which would be knife knife blades. So mm-hmm. you got to think back in the day, they weren't using stainless steel. Yeah. Were just, these guys were just using like standard type uh, steel that would easily rust and so they, yeah. they oiled knife blades I still do that today that big knife right there that's in that sheath yeah. you pull it out right now it'll have a film on it from a year ago when yeah. I put barrel oil on it Yeah, uh, they also used it for oiling guns Yep, which you can still use to this day I've, I have not found any negative consequence to using barrel oil on a modern firearm yeah Somebody may be able to contradict me on that. I have yet to find it. They also used uh, the barrel oil as a lubricant for muzzleloader patches. So they were cramming round musket balls, you know, down a down guns, and they would they would wet the patch with barrel oil. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. Okay, uh, they used barrel oil for fuel in oil burning lamps, which we tried. Yep. Um, and I, I, I haven't ran that experiment to my satisfaction yet, Colby, because uh, the I, we only had a short wick. Yeah. And uh, I just poured barrel oil down in this oil burning lamp and lit it, and it will certainly light, but it burned way quicker than I was anticipating, and I burned up my wick. I've got some more wicks ordered. Yeah. This is from last year. I just ordered some wicks, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they used it as a fuel for basically producing light. Yeah. You know, in, in, a, in a lamp, in a, in a fuel-burning lamp, okay? Yeah. Not a um, lot of wells around here for... Brooks Blevins told me that they used it for making candles. Yeah. The bare oil for making candles, which would be to make, use it in, in the wax in some way. Uh, and then the final one on my list here is making lye soap. Yeah. So you, you use animal fat to make lye soap. Yeah. A guy sent us some the other day from Montana, and he said this is a bear tallow. He called it bear tallow. There's another name. Yeah. Bear tallow, coconut oil, olive oil, castor oil, uh, S-P-I-T-U-L-I-N-A. And essential oils. And it's a beautiful bar of soap. Yeah. Smells great. Yeah. Lye soap has so many different positive things that guys talk about. One of the coolest things is coming to mail. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. A guy, one of our readers up in Montana sent that to us. Yeah. I've tried to make bare fat lye soap one time, Colby. Yeah. And it turned out more like bare fat, uh, 
bare fat shampoo. Okay. It didn't saw it didn't solidify. <laughs> I did it wrong. Yeah. Um, it was a pretty big process. Yeah. And so it it's it's this liquid when it's hot and you're supposed to just like leave it in these trays like overnight. Like a mold. You come, yeah, you come back the next day and you have this like sheet of soap. Oh okay. well when I came back the next day, it it didn't solidify completely, so it was real mushy. So I, I called it shampoo. <laughs> it was more like a shampoo. Yeah. But um I actually want to experiment with that some more, but any kind of animal lard you can use to make lye soap. Yeah. Which is has a lot of positive benefits. Okay. Can you think of anything else that I didn't hit there? I mean, I, I came up with a pun. Oh, of course you did. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're using bear fat on your on your musket balls. Like, it really could be boar butter. Boar butter? <laughs> okay, okay. That's why Colby gets paid the big bucks here at the Global Headquarters for the puns. Yeah. Boar butter. Yeah. Boar butter. We're going to market that. You know, I kept it to myself for a while. You were grinning over there. I knew something was happening. <laughs> when Colby grins I mean, and there's amused. nothing funny going on, he's thinking of a pun. Yeah. That's, that's the way his mind works. It doesn't happen that often, but when it does, it's good. <laughs> um, so the history of bear grease. So bear grease is no, was known to not go rancid as quickly as pork lard. Mm. Okay. So pork lard. Now I've never put pork lard in a jar and left it for a year to see. So I can't say, but they say that it would go bad. Bear lard would keep longer. Yeah. That's what they say. Um, so it was really valuable and it was a super valuable commodity in the pioneer days all across the bear range where people were mm-hmm. trying to forge out a living and market hunters for bears sold bear fat. Yeah. So you killed a bear, you sold the hide, you sold the fat and you sold the meat. Mm-hmm. Bear hide was sold in eels. So it was a unit of measurement called an eel, mm-hmm. which an eel is, was the, the tanned neck of a deer. Mm-hmm. So you'd take, you'd kill a deer and you would tan the neck of the deer, sew it together, yeah. make a pouch of bear oil, mm-hmm. which would hold around a gallon, maybe yeah. a little bit more than a gallon. Yeah. And then you would sew it or seal it up, and they would sell an eel of bear oil and, um, and sell it at market. Yeah. Um, there were companies, we learned from Brooks Blevins last week, that there were companies in Arkansas and, and presumably all over the country that made, I mean, they were, they were bear fat rendering companies yeah um that that made oil and they would usually be positioned in great places for them to be able to ship on the waterways Mm -hmm. so almost all the bear oil coming out of arkansas most of it was going down to louisiana the markets down there because it was so easy to get down yeah down in that part of the world wasn't one of the towns called like old trough or something like that yeah so he gave a big explanation there's a town to, to this day or at least a community in arkansas called oil trough yeah and uh, there are a couple of different stories, but essentially the oil trough was a bear oil trough. Yeah. You know, um, so it was a valued commodity worth a lot of money. Yeah. Um, Daniel Boone, you know, once killed 155 bears in one winter and he stored bear lard in barrels. I mean, it's all this really cool history mm-hmm. about uh, bears, oil trough, Arkansas, uh, Bear Grease the Dog in the Gerstocker book. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, back in the day, this would have just been like super normal stuff. Like, yeah, okay, I'm going to the store. I'm going to pick up a gallon of milk, some Bear Grease, and, uh, you know, some Cheez-Its. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, um, this would have been like a household commodity, which yeah. is so cool to think about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you think about the wildlife laws we have now, you can't sell wildlife-related commodities. So mm-hmm. we can't, it's been taken off the market, yeah. which essentially killed it from modern culture. Yeah. You know, I mean, back in the day when you could buy it, everybody would have used it and it would have been common for people to connect what they were using in their house back to some wild place in yeah. the land. Well, it, no, there's no longer that Trade. connection there. Yeah. So that's why I think Bear Grease is so cool. Um, lastly, let's close by talking about a, a guy named Gordon Wimsat. Yeah. Okay, so there's a lot of folksy stuff around Bear Grease. So Gordon Wimsat, we published an article in the July-August issue 2019 issue of Barony Magazine about Gordon Wimsat, who lived in uh, Cloudcroft, New Mexico. Mexico. And 
Gordon was friends when he was young with a guy of Apache descent. Mm-hmm. And that that guy, his friend, told him that the Apaches used to take the scraped uh, bladder of a deer, which we're going to do some experimenting with. Okay. And they put bear oil in this scraped bladder of a deer, which the scraped bladder just meant that they fleshed it, basically, like you would a hide. Yeah. And it hardened and made like a little jar, Yeah, essentially. And they would pour rendered bear oil into these bladders, and that's how they stored the bear oil. Well, you could see through the bear oil. It was a it was a clear became a clear container, and he said the Apaches could forecast the weather, looking at a bladder of bear grease. Well, Gordon Wimsat he was born in 1915, and basically he spent 60 years studying bear oil. And at one time he had a hundred jars of bear oil in a south facing window in his home, and he built an elaborate weather forecasting chart. Yeah, that we have printed in Bear Hunting Magazine, and he became—I mean—to say he was world renowned would probably not be an understatement. But he became renowned for being able to forecast weather based upon this bear oil. Yeah, and essentially, what he would do is—you remember us talking about the solid and then liquid portions in a clear jar of bear oil—is mm-hmm. that that changes basically with barometric pressure and with weather conditions you, you you would he got to where he he could just notice the slightest most nuanced change in that layer of between the solid and the liquid yeah and like you look at this piece of this jar right here colby it's like the the top of that solid layer isn't totally flat i mean it's not like mm-hmm. a billiard table yeah it kind of undulate you know it's kind of got some curves and some little yeah. pieces that stick up and it's not flat. Well, Gordon Wimsat said that he could forecast the weather based upon what changes inside of that. Yeah. Um may, call it call him crazy. I don't know. Um, but we've been observing bear fat for several years here at the global headquarters. And um it does get weird sometimes. It, it does change. It does change. It's I'm not gonna say it's like massive changes all the time. Yeah. Um, but he, so we'll, we'll somehow make this available where you can see Gordon's chart, but he has this like pictograph type chart. I'm going to, I'm going to read you a couple of his weather forecasts here. Okay. So number one has a description of just like a totally flat top. And he says, heavy in bottom, no change for several hours. Clear. Number two, slight buildup, some cloud cover. Like if the, if the center of the solid part is higher than the edges, he said there'll be cloud cover. So these are like really like nuanced weather forecasts. Yeah. Um, build up and peak. Like if there's a point, if it's like a, if it angles up to like a pretty distinct point, he says um, clouds and moisture close at hand. Okay. Um he goes on. You got to read this. People got to read this article. Yeah. Gordon got to where he was known for predicting earthquakes. Yep. And pretty crazy stuff. Ripley's, believe it or not, did an episode on him back in the, the 80s. 80s. Yeah. And then he was also on Good Morning America after he predicted an earthquake in Mexico City. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. This guy, Gordon Wimsat. He died in 1995 uh, at the age of 80 years old. And um, anyway, it's pretty cool stuff. It was a cool article to read. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. So, you know, what? here's another th- use of bear fat. Put it in decorative jars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bear hunters shouldn't spend a lot of time at Hobby Lobby. Okay. <laughs> There's but, really one good reason. <laughs> but if you want to get no. some cool decorative jars, go ahead and go to Hobby Lobby. Yeah. Bring your wife with you. Yeah. You know, so... You Go need, to Hobby Lobby. You need your camouflage, right? Yeah, I wear a camo bear wear a bear hunting magazine bear grease hat. Yeah. And uh, you'll be you won't lose your man card. Some backwater right now due to popular demand. Ah, yeah, you're right. No, actually I like Hobby Lobby. Um yeah. go to Hobby Lobby, get some decorative jars. Yep. Put them in there, and then give bear grease away to people as gifts at Christmas time. 
Yep. Tell them they can forecast weather if they put it in the south facing window. <laughs> I've and, done it. it and and get a chart. Yeah. My mother in law still has a jar that uh, she's probably had for five years. And uh, it's beautiful, still sitting in her window. I think if you opened it up right now and tried to use it, I think it would be bad. Yeah. After five years. Yeah. It is beautiful, though, because the longer it's sat there, the more it's solidified. So the amber-colored liquid is just like almost clear. Yeah. And it has this solid stuff at the bottom. But it's a conversation starter. It's like, yeah, that's that's my bear grease. Yeah. So that's a great use for it. Yeah. I've, I've given away a lot of bear grease. Um, and uh, a lot of people, you know... Uh, uh, well, there's another lady that we both know that has requested some bear grease. Oh, really? Because she wants to use it as a glaze on, uh, I want to say, meatballs. Interesting. Yeah, she heard that it would be really good for, like, uh, searing the outside of meatballs. Huh. Anyway, I'll, I'll have to follow up with her on that. Yeah. Hey, man, that's I'd say that's a pretty good overview of bear grease. Yeah. Um. A great overview, but the the main thing is 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 we want to we want to continue to to educate people that man we're using these animals yeah you know just because this is a big predator doesn't mean that we're just taking the hides and heading out of town um, and uh, you know we want to encourage people to 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 eat it to render down some fat tan the hides we're we're utilizing as much of these bears as we can yeah that's cool yeah closing comments colby i mean i think it's just cool to be able to assign value to things that people don't see value in yeah and then also to like going through it in this way just um taking off any any type of thing that would make someone think that it was difficult or hard or like remove some of the mystery of it because really like historically it would be a really normal common practice that you know just kind of lost touch with yeah just based upon i mean really like bear numbers are 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 high right now where they wouldn't have historically been so it's kind of like uncovering some history yeah and some common use that you know still value today i mean it's going to be the purest stuff you could probably use this doesn't it's not going to have any additives or anything it's just you know what you take from the land and really like this whole like filled the fork and and everything i mean how cool is it to it's just one more part of the process that you have involvement in inside the house, like whenever mm-hmm. you're cooking and stuff. It's not, I just didn't get the meat. I also got the, the grease or the oil and other things that, yeah. that we're using. So I think there's a really cool aspect to that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we didn't, I didn't mention that this oil tastes like oil is supposed to taste. Yeah. Which is you're not supposed to taste it. Exactly. Yeah. Like people are like, what does it taste like? And I'm like, well, good oil doesn't taste like anything. Yeah. Good oil gives texture to food, gives texture to pastries. Like you don't, it's not like you're going to eat an apple pie made from bear grease and be like, ooh, that's kind of gamey. Yeah. No. I mean, good oil is is absent except for just making it taste good. And and mm-hmm. that is barrel. I thought about yeah. that while you're talking for some reason. Yeah. Just like, it's not like you're compromising something by, you know, taste like, Boy, you fry pan fry fish or something in bear oil. Mm-hmm. It's not going to have a gamey taste. It's yeah. oil. Yeah, it's oil. Does it have a smell to it? No, it it has a. Now, it probably has. It does have a smell. Like it smells like something, mm-hmm. but so would pig lard. Yeah, it would have a. Sm- it's not a bad smell. Yeah, like it's you don't stick your nose on it and just like I cannot smell that. Like you wouldn't yeah. say that. Like you would go, yeah, something's I, there. I can something is there. Yeah, it's not off putting. It's not unusual. Not super strong. Right. Yeah. Right. No, it's yeah. not. But great. Well, hey, all the more reason to keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana. 
They're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now. And if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like them. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.